want you to know better, do better, and be better. This is Hair, Head, and Heart with your host, cosmetology instructor, industry advocate, and writer, Mary Reed Johnson. I'm Mary Reed Johnson. Tune in every Wednesday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Central, or you can certainly call us at 1-888-627-6008 to weigh in on issues concerning the hair, head, and heart. Responsibility, exploitation, and truth. These are all parts of our discussion today. Uh, Again, feel free to weigh in. If you're listening by podcast, then tune in next week and join our discussion. We will be revisiting a natural hair care debacle in Minneapolis. We're going to start a discussion about platonic relationships. And if those relationships just happen to develop into something really groovy, then you probably want to have some places to explore together. So, therefore, we're going to talk about some of the most romantic cities in the world. And uh, if there is time, we're going to learn more about the environmental working group and their products and how they endorse different things and, and why this group stands out amongst many others and why we're leaning towards their group that we can trust. And uh, we'll, uh, hopefully we'll have some time to explore that. My condolences to the 59 people who died uh, Sunday night in a attack on country music. Uh, it was at a country music concert on the Las Vegas Strip. And not counting the shooter, actually, there were more than 500 people injured. And in Minnesota so far, uh, there are two victims that have been identified, but not everyone is already is actually uh, identified. So we don't know uh, all the details yet, but I do want to send my condolences to those families who do know they have loved ones uh, caught up in that fray and hopefully we can find a way to begin to heal, and we'll have a discussion about this a little bit later. But right now, the wounds are very fresh. We don't know all that much. And um, I just want to, at least at this platform, offer my condolences. So back to some of the things that we're going to talk about today. One, I don't, uh, well, at at the show we had last year, around this time, one of the things that happened in Minneapolis was that a hair salon uh, was in the in the heart of a heated debate and discussion, and it ended up with a stylist being fired who had been with the company for 11 years. Uh, the, the salon's name was the Denny Kemp Salon, and what that is is a, a Veda salon. So if you're familiar with that brand, they do a lot of good for the community. They have uh, additional trainings that people pay for, but they're pretty entrenched here in Minnesota, but they're an international company, and so that's why I'm bringing it to our platform today. So the story behind it, Denny Kemp, he was the owner of this particular salon, and uh, there was a stylist, and we only know him by Justin. I don't even know if that's his real name, but he was the main stylist that um, was involved in the incident, 
and a woman, Bianca Dawkins, an African-American woman who used to go to Justin when she had permed or relaxed hair. So that's a chemically straightened hair. And uh, I think they had a, a real positive relationship at one point in time. But she had set up an appointment online and asked for her hair, which she had let grow out naturally, uh, and it had more texture than they were used to dealing with at the salon. And Justin apparently said that her hair was an animal that needed needed to be tamed or an animal that can't be tamed. And just being in the industry for about a thousand years, I know that he probably had a, a really loose relationship with this woman and she probably had some unrealistic expectations. He probably did whatever he used to do very well with her old hair, but this was not something that was in his wheelhouse. And there are special tools that you need and on and on and on. So what this this moment turned into was a controversy so big. And uh, I think it came from her being dissatisfied with the outcome of her hair, for one thing. Um, the extreme things that happen when you do things with Facebook and, and rant and people just wanting to weigh in, you know, based on their experience, all sort of fair. But uh, initially, she definitely didn't want the stylist fired. And her story kind of accelerated. I mean, it just got uh, bigger and bigger. And um, I don't know if uh, it would be fair to say that she just remembered things differently after the fact. It's not uncommon, but um, she was pulled into just this huge mountain of of bile, and a stylist got fired um, at the end of the day. One of the things that I would say to people, and there's nothing wrong with going to a, a salon if you have highly textured hair, uh, you know, this type of thing, but um, you, you you know, in all fairness, in cosmetology, even in Minneapolis or in Minnesota, we're we're training 1,550 hours to do hair, and one percent of that time is spent on braiding, for example, and a total max of about 200 hours of that 1,550 hours is spent on anything to do with texture, and. Uh, it's not always even uh, that much time. Uh, when I was in school, uh, I was the only person with natural hair. I had volunteered to be the model for a press. And the press lesson that we experienced was this. And I, I talked them through it because it, the teachers weren't really adept. They didn't really know a lot about textured hair. And I had big hair at the time. So basically the experience was someone shampooed my hair and some others dried it almost. And and for that to be a a successful process, your hair needs to be bone dry. Uh, And the reason uh, they didn't dry it all the way is just they didn't have the patience. I took multiple people, you know, taking turns, you know, instead of my hair taking, you know, 10 minutes max to dry, my hair, even with a a really good blow dryer, takes about 20, 25, 30 minutes to dry. Uh, So they didn't have the patience. They didn't have the discipline. They were students after all. 
they didn't have the experience or the tools really to do it properly. But I expected it. I understood. I, I volunteered so they could have an experience. And I really didn't have any fears because my own hair was in excellent condition. I had taken care of it for years. And I knew that if worse came to worse and they burned some out or something like that, um, it would grow back. So I had no real qualms about it. So next, each of the students in the school, and I'm thinking there were about 60 of them, and these are soon to be stylists. So each of them stood in line, and they took two swipes at my hair using a Marcel pressing comb. It, it, it was a hot mess. I admit I wish I had pictures, but trust, it was not something that I would have paid for. But it seemed to have helped. At least they had a concept. They actually had a chance to touch and feel and know what that experience would be if they had to do some textured hair or had to transform some highly textured hair into something a little more flat. Uh, but I would like to say that for them, and you know, according to what they told me, that it was an amazing experience and highlight for some of them because even to this day, some of them, that might have been the only natural, highly textured hair they were ever exposed to. In any case, as a loctician, a stylist, an owner, an educator, I believe in the Denny Kemp Salon scenario that there was exploitation of truth, there was bad judgment, uh, the woman had signed up for a flat iron style, a blow dry and a flat iron. And uh, if you look at pictures of her hair, it was a tight coil, not the tightest, but pretty tight compared to um, what she, what Justin had experienced with her hair before. So I think uh, it was maybe a little bad judgment on her part, or maybe she really thought he could do it. I don't, I'm not clear on that. Uh, in any case, there were some unrealistic expectations at several levels. And in this instance, I don't believe the stylist should have lost his job. Uh, and initially, again, neither did Bianca, or the customer, believe that he should have lost his job. I don't know Justin's last name, but I would love to know if indeed, uh, you know, how is, he, how is he doing after a year for Denny Kemp? What has happened is their salon continues. He had a very solid reputation before, five stars if you're a Yelper, uh, that type of thing. But now he's more about two and a half, three stars. They have uh, all kinds of specials all the time, Groupons. You know, they're selling services at half price and, you know, this type of thing. He continues, but not at the elevated level that they were known to hold or uh participate in the industry before. Justin, we don't know what has happened to Justin. There were rumors at one point in time that he had not been fired, but I think that that is indeed the case. Hopefully he found um, some more training and, and some uh, really supportive environment to work in and continue his career. And Ms. Dawkins has started a nonprofit and um, so I think she did well. She got a lot of press. Um, it is what it is. But I don't think it's very fair to expect people who are not trained to do 
a certain thing and don't claim that they do a certain thing. It's just not fair to expect that. If you are just fresh out of high, um, cosmetology school and someone asks you to perform a chemical service, for example, well, you might even want to think about that twice, three times um, before you apply a chemical that can permanently alter someone. Um, it's supposed to be covered in school, but not all schools are created equal. Not experience, all experiences are going to be the same. But you do what you can, and that's all you can do. Um, another thing that we're going to touch today is the discussion about platonic relationships. This is going to be the first of a two-part uh, session that we'll have. Next week, we'll be joined by uh, a male guest, and he'll weigh in on what it means to have a platonic relationship. And platonic, for people who don't know, is, is you know, just friends without benefits. So can men and women be friends without benefits? I personally think that you can. My friend thinks that that is not possible. And um, it's most unfortunate. I think that's an, an unhealthy way to think. But uh, first of all, if you have a friendship, that's a solid base to build a relationship on. And some people think that you're a friend and that's all that you can ever be. Some people believe that an attraction will eventually develop and uh, get the better of, you know, any any friendship. And, I, again, I just think that's unhealthy. So I look forward to uh, our discussion. But is it possible maybe to grow your own relationship with friendship as the base? I certainly think so. I think that's healthy. And most of my acquaintances uh, when I was younger were men. Uh, we just, you know, just thought hard, played hard, you know, just lived life. And um, most of my acquaintances now are female. And that's mainly because the males over time do get married off. And again, just regular friendships, just buddies. And most of the women, you know, come into that relationship that, that we have, the men and the women or clients who are men uh, who have wives and, you know, whatever, significant others. Um, many times the women come, they meet me, and uh, they're, you know, just way cool. And if they're interested uh, in, in the guys or if they're new, uh, to the to the men in my life and, and their relationships, then they come, they meet me, um, they hang out with us. Uh, at at some point, I, I realize I'm a third wheel and I you know back away, but uh, generally everything is pretty friendly, positive, good. And uh, once the relationship beefs up, then it it kind of changes. And I certainly have no uh, ability to compete with pillow talk, um, and and that's where those relationships often go. And um, I usually end up getting an invite to a wedding, or uh, you know, it ends up you know I might be a um, a godmother to a child or that type of stuff. But I lost a lot of friendships because the the female in the men's lives don't believe that women and men can be friends. 
and um, most unfortunate, but it is what it is. And if you if you um, are fortunate enough to have male friends and female friends, and you're mature like that, then I just think it's a beautiful thing. And if you've ever, you know, not been able to develop those types of friendships and you slide into those romantic feelings and you have that type of attraction, then uh, hopefully you'll be able to maintain your friendship even in a romance. But if you do, you want to consider some things and understand a little bit more about what you're getting into. Um, I was reading Psychology Today about being single and living single and divorce rates and that type of stuff. And um, you do hear that most marriages, well, actually about half marriages, according to a February article in Psychology Today, about half of the marriages end a divorce. And that seems like an incredible number. People have the misconception that it's been growing over the years, but it's pretty consistent um, at the whole end of the 20th century that about, you know, anywhere from 43 to 46% of the marriages end in, in divorce. And so I would say it's pretty consistent. It's it's not getting better. It's not getting worse. But um, I would be curious as to know if they started off as friendships or if they started off um, as a romantic interest. I noticed, um, or we, I was having a discussion with another friend, and his theory was that um, you you really just can't slide over, and um, uh, it's it's just not healthy to think that way. But that's my my own personal opinion. And again, we'll have one of the fellows in next week to weigh in. And if you wanted to weigh in, you certainly could. Uh, it's one eight eight eight. Six two seven six zero zero eight. If you had a question or you've had that experience, I invite you to share and tell me what you think. There are a variety of places. If you do happen to look up and uh, develop a romantic relationship, there are some places that you, I like to travel, so there's some places that you might want to add to your repertoire, places to visit. Um, my very, very top place on the planet is Vancouver, British Columbia, and it's usually at the top of the list, or at least somewhere in the top five uh, cities uh, if in the in the world that you would want to visit. The quality of life is good. Actually, you could want to live there. Um, the quality of life is good. The um, the water, the air, the everything is wonderful. They've got um, uh, different things that you could see, like um, World Fair, and they've got mountains on one side. They've got uh, remnants of the Olympics and just a, a variety of things. Um, the Commonwealth Games were held there. But you've got mountains, you've got sea, you've got air. The people are wonderful. A lot of celebrities have their second homes there. So my place of choice, if I were going to visit a place, a romantic place, and just wanted to stay for a week or something and just get to know somebody, I would certainly encourage people to visit Vancouver, British Columbia. 
but there are some other cities that definitely have some charm to them. Uh, Rome, if you've never been to Italy, uh, it's very beautiful. It's lush. It's got um, great landscapes, a place to relax with someone. You can go and visit uh, a variety of places that have incredible art. Um, of course, I I have not been to France since I was uh, in high school, actually. So I'm sure it's just as beautiful now as it was then. Um, they have nice little cobblestone streets, just really just charming. It's it's a little probably dirtier than um, if you if you're pretty cosmopolitan, but if you if you like the the old world feel of things then you can't beat that. There's Eiffel Tower, of course. Um, I think it's still open. Um, yeah, I think you can still visit the Eiffel Tower. Uh, there's a wonderful, wonderful movie by uh, a combination of Oprah Winfrey, Steven Spielberg, and DreamWorks Production. And it was from 2014, and it's called The 100-Foot Journey. And it is set in Paris, but I won't give you the whole story, but what happened was uh Indian family uh, was uprooted from their home and their restaurant. Uh, people died in this um, takeover of the city and this type of thing, and they had to escape. So they ended up in Paris uh, trying to figure out what they were going to do with their lives. And long story short, the father found a wonderful spot that he thought could be converted into a restaurant. It was actually an old restaurant. He redid it, and um, just a wonderful story unfolds. Very sweet. If you like romantic little movies, um, then I encourage you to see that. And again, it is the 100-foot journey, and um, you know, I think you'll enjoy it. Another place to visit, uh, if you've and you don't have to speak the language, but uh, Japan, there's different parts of Japan that are very, very nice. Um, In Guam, we have a military base that if you have the dollars, it's a great place to visit, even uh, if you know someone in the military and they could maybe sponsor you or something like that. Great, great place. Um, Just opulent I guess would be the word it's kind of it's very very high end on one one part of the island and then the another part you know you have the sacred cows and pastures so very um, beautiful place visit there Um, but uh, Kyoto Japan has the gardens if you like that type of thing you want to see real cherry blossom trees and and open spaces and, and greenhouses and that type of thing um, that is a great cityscape. So I encourage you, if you can go there, do that. Um, for you who are movie buffs, which I kind of am, um, when you think of Morocco and Turkey, like Marrakesh, that also has been given some high ratings as far as um, breathtaking views and palm trees and They have mountains uh, there on the Sahara Desert. Uh, When you think of Casablanca and Lauren Bacall and Humphrey Bogart, um, you you might, you know, 
think of Morocco and Turkey and Istanbul, all of those types of places. Um, did anyone know that Lauren Bacall and Humphrey Bogart were actually married? I did not realize that until recently. I, I knew that they acted in several films together, but they were actually married a couple of years after they made Casablanca. And um, he was a busy man. He was married several times. But but I think, oh, I, I'm pretty sure Lauren Bacall may have been his last wife. They were only married a couple of years. He died um, prematurely. But it is uh, definitely something to consider if you're going to visit a, a beautiful place. Go with a friend. Um, you don't have to have a romantic engagement. You can go with your sister, your brother, that type of thing. But there are so many beautiful places to just enjoy. And if you are able, build a friendship. Uh, you might go someplace and just meet somebody and uh, build a friendship from there. But remember that while you're developing and maintaining friendships, it just takes time and effort and Good friends are people that can identify traits uh, that you admire and appreciate and, you know, vice versa. So just, you know, be a friend, be sincere, support one another in reaching your goals, um, have the ability to um, bring, if someone has the ability to bring you out of a funk, then, you know, that's probably a good friend. Um Someone who can support you through tough times, you know, that's also a good friend, a trait of a good friend. Um, situations for friendship should involve give and take. You don't want a situation where one gives and the other takes. You want, you know, both of you to be able to have these traits and go back and forth. Um, a good friend might be someone who supports you as you age. And we haven't talked about ageism very much uh, in this this, this dispensation that we are experiencing on this on BBS radio, but we will uh, certainly that's a that's a process. Um, I'm one of the last of the boomers, so there's a lot of conversation involving us, and we we still are <laughs> doing things and um, try to help the community. Um, Another thing that you could do to build a friendship or identify some traits of a friend, um, recognize if you have or evaluate if you have similar social or emotional uh, plateaus and values. Um, encourage balance at all levels, sharing at all levels, and just pay attention. And some people will pretend to be your friend, They'll pretend that um, they have uh, particular interests, but they have a very twisted agenda. And so you don't have to get caught on that. You just want to just be aware and um, you just go from there. I think um, everyone has an opportunity to build true friendships, and it makes just life more fun and easier. So... Uh, our discussion today on Hair, Head, and Heart is about responsibility. I think friendship is a responsibility. It can be a responsible thing. 
um, exploitation, again, you can totally, if you're not having a balanced communication, can certainly experience exploitation or you can exploit someone and you don't want to do that. That's not very, very kind. And truth should be certainly at the core, in my opinion, of a good friendship or even a good relationship, uh, a romantic relationship. So just remember those terms. Along those lines, uh, truth, exploitation, responsibility, there's a group that has surfaced that more than some of the others that have tried to uh, look at ways to help us stay healthy. Uh, And there's a group that's called the Environmental Working Group. And what they do is they empower people to live healthier lives. Uh, They look at things in the environment. They have all kinds of breakthrough research and basically are taking the responsibility to drive consumer choice, civic action, and that type of thing. They're a non-profit organization and, and really just do what they can to protect human health and the environment. So they look at tap water. They look at your body conditioners or shampoos, things that are in your cleaners, pesticides in your food, whereas a lot of the other groups, they'll they'll focus on one thing, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it's hard to keep up when you're looking at, you know, 20, 27 products in an hour, what is good, what is bad. So basically what they do, and they've been around a couple uh, couple of decades, so they've been around 20 years, Um, so it's not an overnight thing, but what they do is they automatically, any product that doesn't have clarity or they have proprietary uh, ingredients and that type of thing, they automatically are not on the EWG list of things that are acceptable. They want people to be very clear or want companies to be very clear about what they're offering uh and what they are putting into the environment. There's a list of, you know, phthalates and formaldehydes and these types of things that are in products and hidden, you know, basically um, with different terminology or, again, proprietary things that, you know, basically that the company doesn't have to disclose a particular item. Um, and that's just, it's just not kind to people and it's not healthy. So I, I'm, I'm impressed with their list. They only have about a thousand things on it, but in every category that I mentioned before, and more than that. So it's it's a place to start. So if you are trying to, for example, avoid uh, GM GMOs uh, or the gen, genetically modified food and that type of thing. Um, There's some things that you can do to help yourself. One of them is to buy uh, organic. And so they don't allow, at this point, GMOs to be labeled organic. So you've seen those little symbols. There's a variety of symbols for organic, but the one you should look for is it's green and white, typically has a circle, and then the top is says USDA, the bottom says organic, and it's in a 
uh, green um, like background. So when you buy organic, you buy food that's free of synthetic pesticides, but also genetically modified ingredients, so those GMOs. So if you buy organic, that will help you um, stay a little bit healthier. Those types of things are what you would see EWG um, promoting or or, uh, endorsing, and that's good. If you buy food that's certified as non-GMO, um, project verified, and that's the symbol. It usually has like a butterfly, and at the, at the bottom it'll say verified, and uh, towards the right it'll say non-GMO project verified. It's like, what in the world does that mean? And so what that is, it's um, pretty detailed voluntary certification. So basically the food producers can test and verify to the best of their knowledge, which for me is not good enough, but anyway, to the best of their knowledge, they've avoided using those GMO ingredients in their products. And um, it's it's something that's been around since 2014. Um, Looks good, but I, I would say I personally don't necessarily trust that as much as I would just buy organic. And then the third option, this is where EWG comes in, they have a shopper's guide to avoiding those things. They have a whole database, and you can find foods online and, and uh, as well as those other products I mentioned. Um, and these are, again, ingredients made without uh, even the ingredients to be genetically modified. So you could put something together, and the end result, technically isn't GMO modified. However, if you use something with a bunch of ingredients that are GMO, at the end of the day, you could probably, if it's a project verified, um, uh, I'll say banana, then you can get away with saying that it's it's not um, it's not organic, but it's a non-GMO project verified thing. And so EWG would say, no, we're not even going to um, look at those products. They only, if you're eating anyway, it's only going to be organic and uh, uh, certified GMO-free food. So for people who have gluten-free diets and that type of stuff, this becomes really important. People who have severe allergies, again, it becomes very, very important because it might not be the bananas or the eggs or the oranges that you're really allergic to. It's probably these different synthetics and pesticides that are in your food that makes you react. Um, I'm not going to pick on, like, McDonald's, but some of the fast food burgers, for example, totally not um, from a cow or not from an animal. Um, and so if they're, if they're saying they're offering you 100% beef or the C in the Kentucky Fried or KFC, it's not Kentucky Fried Chicken anymore in some places, it's KFC. So what is that C? They insinuate that it's chicken, but it may not be. So none of those would be on the EWG list. So I would I really encourage people to look for USDA Organic and EWG. Um, then 
just to let you know when you're looking for different things, especially those um, things that are uh, project verified, then there's some really common ingredients in our food that are um, really GMOs. So if you look at something that says uh, field corn and corn-derived ingredients, that is um, very much, it's about 90% of them are are just not right food for you. And then sugar, same thing, it's about 55%. Vegetable oil, again, 90 or so percent. American oil seed is produced by soybeans, which are almost entirely genetically modified. So the the main, the other 10%, they might be cotton seeds, sunflower seeds, canola, maybe some grapeseed, peanuts, that type of thing. Um, but everything else, canola, for example, um, primarily come from GMOs. So uh, look at that. Things that could be genetically modified, there's a whole list, like thousands of things, but some real, real common ones where it's more than 50%, papayas, uh you would think that it's it's a fresh fruit. How could that possibly be? It is. It just is. About seventy five percent zucchini, yellow squash, summer squash. If you've seen those different vegetables that are now, um, like when did you see a blue potato until now? Or uh, same thing. Um, just strange colors of fruit. It's like where did they come from? If they don't have a history. Um, well, everything has a history, but it might not be a, a history from, you know, 15 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, the same type of thing was going on about 1915 in the U.S. We just couldn't trust our food. And so you saw many um, different organizations come about like Shackley Products. That's Actually, that's one of my favorites, but Shackley Products came about in about 1915 because a man and his two sons just didn't want to eat the food that they couldn't really trust anymore. And so there have been, uh, they've been around for many, many, many years. And NASA uh, actually went to them and asked them to develop something for the astronauts when they would uh, come off of their missions, they were extremely dizzy. It take them a very long time to like acclimate to our environment again and that type of thing. So Shackley was there to help the astronauts. Um, they are also there because they don't even test with certain things and they far exceed the expectations or the ADA approved ingredients um, as far as, you know, safety. So athletes actually often will use Shackley because they can trust it and they know that they're not going to um, have any ingredients and counterindications that might um, disqualify them from an event or, you know, be mistaken for drugs in any way because they are very serious about what they do. So that there's other companies like that, I'm sure, but I can say I've seen firsthand a person who was taking about, uh, about 20-something medications, um, had a very, you know, traumatic 
uh, injury, had been in a coma for several months, on and on and on. Um, But went from 27 or so medications down to like seven in one month because he didn't have to balance out the high blood pressure and the this and the that and the other thing just with using the Shackley shakes. And um, I think they had some, he had some uh, vitamin, vitamin supplements as well from Shackley. But that was uh, very helpful in his healing. So we know that GMOs are not about healing. GMOs are about money. Nothing wrong with making money except if you want to live a long life. So look at look carefully at what you're what you're ordering or what you're buying from the grocery stores. Uh just a quick little tip. When you're buying uh fruits and you see those little stickers, those stickers all have numbers and those stickers mean something. So the very first number in your sticker on your products will say basically a number one through nine. Nine is organic. Anything else, like the lower the number, the more synthetic it is. So if you start with nine, feel good about it, especially if it's not going to break the bank. Um, If you go down to a eight, maybe possibly. If you start seeing numbers like two, one, and zero, then uh, you probably don't want to get that. Um, It's pretty much plastic. So uh, I will say that if you do, for whatever reason, have a lot of plastic in your system or you've been using these GMOs and you didn't really even really know why you felt the way that you did or you don't have energy and that type of stuff, I tell you that oil breaks down plastic. So there's different oils that you can Um, you know, just cook with a Mediterranean diet. That's part of the reason it's so successful because there's a variety of different oils in it and um, they help break down the plastics in your body so that, you you know, you can function to your optimum level. So on and on about those. Another part of our health as far as um, EWG and that type of thing, they are responsible for doing one of the many different tap water studies. And they did one and actually have created a whole database for the state of American drinking water. So um, there are just, it's, it's a very robust report. So as far as the contaminants and how the um, pollutants are affecting us, they didn't start this overnight. They started this study about 20 years ago, and they've got information collected um, most recently from 2010 to 2015, and not just in the United States, but primarily, you know, that was their focus. So um, these different state agencies and the EPA, so Environmental Protection Agency, looked at all the information they had gathered uh, for drinking water tests. And um, there were, you know, studies in all 50 states, all the water utilities and that type of thing. But they basically found 500 different contaminants and, uh, or they tested for 500 contaminants and they found 267. So 
93 of those 267 were linked to increased risk of cancer. A lot of it were were things related to excuse me <coughs> the actual systems that um, were established. Um, the state guidelines in different states were just not in line with things that could help overall, but they weren't also things weren't in place so that could enforce things to improve the uh, the drinking water. So back to that 267, 78 of those contaminants found were associated with brain cancer and nervous uh, system damage. Uh, 63, developmental harm to children or fetuses. On and on and on. Fertility problems, 38%. Um, so what the EPA and EWG and a couple of groups similar um, discovered, I mean, this was part of that um, unsafe level uh, water, drinking level, uh, drinking water that they found as far as contaminants in Flint, Michigan. And that, again, was 2015. So they were contacted. They already had some of the information, but um, as more and more people got sick in Flint, it set off a national alarm and it revealed the lead contamination of communities and schools, not just in Flint, but all around the country. So what I would say is uh, overall, we do still have some groundwater in Minnesota. Not sure where you're living, but... um, contact the EPA or either just go to this website, the EWG tap water database, and find out what kind of um, tap water you're dealing with, um, what things or contaminants may or may not be in your water. And then uh, from there, you know, whether you're using filters or whether you're having a, a coal, you know, filter or, you know, whatever type of thing, Uh, you can do to help protect your family. I know a lot of people use the the alkaline water uh, to balance them out. I I would encourage you, if you are interested in those types of things, do a lot of research because alkaline water in and of itself, if you're sick, um, might help you balance out. But you shouldn't um, prolong it, and it's not necessarily, it's been proven not to be that great for, you know, toddlers and young babies. So before you um, just go out and buy yourself a bunch of alkaline water or alkaline uh, machinery, uh, there's even problems with keeping it clean properly and that type of thing. You get contaminants from the machine. So um, do your homework. Don't just jump on any bandwagon. Be aware and thankful that there are some watchdog groups out there who have a history and uh, at at least this point some sincerity about um, trying to keep our people healthy. Um, And what you as a concerned American can do, according to EWG, um, they have a water water filter guide, and it helps you search for the types of filters that are designed to remove or reduce different 
contaminants or specific contaminants. Um, it's just not a personal concern. It affects everyone in the entire nation. And Americans should not take safe drinking water for granted. Instead, you need to get informed, um, know what's coming out of your tap, and what contaminants are following the streams and the rivers. And then, you know, there's just a variety of ways you can take action. So I, I, I know that um, water, of course, is fundamental to our survival. And it is actually, in part, a responsibility of the government. And so we have to demand that our, our public officials uh, fix this very broken system. And um, President Trump, eh, not my favorite, but he has some moments actually admitted that um, the 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 health or protecting the nation's drinking water is a priority of his administration um but the actions that he has um, put in place don't support that so call your senators call your congressmen ask for safe drinking water cuz it's not a privilege it's a it's a it's a need and um this database that EWG put together, it's very helpful, very resourceful. It'll help your family. But again, it's a call to action today for me to ask that America, you know, it just, it doesn't matter your age, your race, your affluence, uh, you should be at least have the opportunity to know that the water that comes in your homes and in your schools and in public places is that it's safe, that it's, it's clean, it's okay to drink. Um, so uh, last thing I'm going to say about water, uh, one of the things that is in uh, just too much water uh, are nitrates. Nitrates, if you've noticed, people are having all these heart problems and these types of things. Sometimes people are predisposed to um, heart issues. And nitrates, especially if you're taking certain medications, will put you over the top. And it actually, not even um, just medications, you find nitrates in our foods, and our, especially our meats, it's preservative. So... Um, I strongly suspect, um, and again, I'm not a medical doctor, but um, when you add one and one, you usually get two, but um, those nitrates are putting more people at risk than necessary. They're they're having um, excess, and it's not a good thing. So um, in EWG's report, they calculated that 7 million people are exposed to nitrates above health guidelines. So they say that it's a combination of both types of nitrate, and there's a couple of types, um, nitrates that um, doesn't double count the systems, but they they both appear, and so that increases the the likelihood of damage to you. So in their study, 
at least 7 million people were affected. And that might not be a lot of number, a lot of people in the big scheme of things, but, you know, it just shouldn't be at all. So I encourage you, access the uh, ewg.org, do a backslash, tap water, and uh, state of America drinking, or if that's too much to put into uh, a search, just look up the tap water database. That would be an easy way to find it. Um, You will find a lot of information to help you and your family, and I want you to be healthy and come back next week so that we can grow together and learn together. Statistics is a great place to learn what's going on in cosmetology. Overall, there is an increase in the levels of, or the numbers of people entering the profession. Now, the average schooling might cost you anywhere from thirteen thousand, which is not too bad, um, up to thirty-eight thousand, and it really depends absolutely on the state that you live in and what the requirements are. How many hours do you have to devote to? Uh, the education. In Minnesota, mentioned earlier, we have 1,550 hours of education. So that's about 10 months full time. And once you leave cosmetology school, at least in Minnesota, there's a whole battery of extra tests. So there's another test that you have to take before you can even take your state exams and get your licensure. That extra layer Um, I'm certain it helps the cosmetology board uh, increase their income. However, we have an incredible fallout of cosmetologists. For the past six years, we are losing about 1,000 licensees every year, and that's not a good trend. So um, before you enter the field, especially if you're in Minnesota, do know that you will in the metro area, make about 23000 and some change uh, annually. And if you are in the metro and you're in the outskirts or the outlying areas, you're going to make 18000 and some change. Um, and you just have to weigh for yourself if that's worth um, investing in. Your education should, if 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 all goes well, it could be paid for in three years or less. There was a study that um, actually caused a lot of schools to close in this last few years because the it wasn't cost effective. The return on the investment was not appealing. So before you enter the field, you know, make sure that you're passionate about it, and then you know do what you can, learn what you can to make it work for you, but know that it's a noble profession, but it's maybe more of a hobby for some people than it is a profession. But this is very recent. I want to share uh, all that I can with you so that you are an informed, aware, and actually happy stylist if you're going to do it. Um, you want to be happy in it. Um, this is Mary Reed, Hair, Head, and Heart. Feel free to connect anytime.
through bbsradio.com, Hair, Head, and Heart. Thank you for joining the discussion on Hair, Head, and Heart with your host, Mary Reed Johnson. Mary steps from behind the chair to discuss universal topics and share passions and insights to help all ages and communities know better, do better, and be better. Join us every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time. Check out Hair, Head, and Heart homepage on BBS Radio or visit 3 hwellness.org to grow with us.